um, on the foundation using enduring materials like gold, silver, or precious stones, or with perishable materials, we've got enduring and perishable, like wood, hay, or straw, the nature of each person's work will become evident because the day you see will show it for what it truly is. Because that day, the day of the Lord, will be revealed with fire, and each person's work, its true quality, the fire will put it to the test. So this is um, God's word. So a few weeks, not a few now, it's been a long time ago. Um, I uh, Last time I preached, just felt a... Uh, Burden, um, fear about the, the church, okay? I don't spend a lot of time thinking about like the, the national or global church. I spend most of my time thinking about you guys, this, this church, but a couple weeks ago, I just felt really strongly for the whole, whole bunch of us that if intensity in the earth increases, okay, if things get hard, if, if the pressure turns up, would the gospel that churches have been proclaiming week in, week out um, for, for decades and, and longer than that, will it hold up, okay? Will it sustain people in trial or... Is what we're telling people and, and feeding people all the time, is it setting people up to fold uh, when pressure increases? And, and, and kind of the phrase that I've used for this comes from Spurgeon. Are we giving people uh, what he called a rickety gospel that will not bear your weight, a chariot whose axle wheels will snap or whose wheels will be taken off, a foundation of sand that will sink in the day of the flood? So I'm asking, like, which is it? Okay, what are we giving people? Are we building with enduring materials, gold, silver, costly stones, or with perishable things, wood, hay, and straw? And 1 Corinthians 3 says the day is going to reveal it, okay? So you can build it the same, it's going to look the same on the outside, but the day is going to show, hey, did you build with stuff that will last or stuff that will not? And so just to recap really quickly, last time just looked at the gospel that Jesus and the apostles proclaimed, which is that now is not always... Because Jesus died for our sins. Or shorter than that, there is a cross before the day. A cross for the forgiveness of your sins. So you can stand clean on that day. And also a cross to carry and bear before that day. So, so that you stand clean. So I'm just going to stay on that theme and on that message. As long as the Lord um, kind of keeps pressing it on me. And see if what we're saying and what we're hearing and what we're believing will hold up and matches this, matches what the apostles said, um, or if it's something else that's going to cause our chariot wheels to snap, okay? So today, I'm so glad you guys came to church today because we're just going to talk about suffering. <laughs> you can leave now. You can get, like, before I get started, just leave just leave now, okay? How does the, the gospel of the cross before the day, now is not always because Jesus died for our sins, how does that prepare us to, to respond just to general suffering and hardship and trial in this age, okay? Will the gospel that we've uh, preached, will it hold up under bills, right? Just everyone at some point in your life, like bills are going to be uh, a problem or sickness or frustration at work or frustration at home. Brody, will it hold up under bad printers that just won't? Brody came home one day and was like, that printer at the office is killing me. Okay, will it hold up under that? Will it hold up under, under you know, hangnails, whatever. All the stuff. Loss of, of a loved one. Will, will the gospel that you've heard, does it prepare you to deal with these things? Just all the different things in this age that don't work right, that don't go together how they ought to. And so what I want to contend from Romans 8 is that Paul's gospel, a man who lived the cross 
preach the cross before the day and live the cross before the day, uh, it will hold up. Okay. In fact, Paul's gospel is built for these very things that um, we endure. So Romans 8, 18 through 23, he says, for I consider the sufferings. Of the present time, okay? So specifically in Romans, he's kind of worked through some of those. Verse Chapter 7, the sufferings of the present time include this body of death, okay? Both the sinful problems that we have with this body and the fact that this body just decays, okay? Like it's just happening to you if you are a human being. It's less noticeable in your teens and 20s and 30s and 40s. But now, you know, my grandpa's in his 80s. His body is decaying and it's hard and it's suffering and it's not it's not right. It's not how things are meant to be, but it is how things are. So chapter 7, your body. This is a, a present suffering. Uh, chapter 8, our own weakness to deal with all this stuff, right? It's all coming at you and you say, I can't do this. There's weakness, chapter 8. Uh, later in chapter 8, he says, affliction, distress, persecution, nakedness, danger, sword. These are present sufferings. And then he you know, kind of covers them all and says, death, life, angels, powers, things in the present, things in the future. All this stuff. He says, these are the present sufferings of this age. All the stuff. And so Paul deals with these present sufferings. And you can fill in the blank for yours with, he deals with them with the good news. That now is not always. Because Jesus died for our sins. So verse 18, I consider the sufferings of this present time. They're not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. So what Paul's doing is just playing a a comparison game with the two ages, right? He's saying now is hard, no doubt. Now now is difficult. He's not saying to take the sufferings of this age and play make-believe and pretend it's not hard, right? You've played that game sometimes with yourself, with other people. Like, no, everything's actually okay. And then inwardly you're dying. Paul's saying, don't do that. He's, he's doing the opposite. With a megaphone at five, Paul is saying, you know, this age is broken. I know. I understand. Like, it's at five. But then he takes the same megaphone, turns that thing to 11 and says, it won't be broken forever. Right. He's got he's just playing comparison. This age is hard. It won't be this way forever. He says there's glory, which in in the scriptures is shorthand for the resurrection, the age to come. He says there's glory after this that's not worth comparing to the difficulties now. And setting our hope on that future glory is how we counsel and we train ourselves to deal. Okay. Like this, Paul, this is Romans 8 is Paul's counseling session for you. Okay, this is what's what's going on. And this is understanding how to deal with with the sufferings of this present time. It's everything for your discipleship. Okay, learning how to do Romans 8, learning how to believe Romans 8 is everything for dealing with this and finishing the path. You have to know how to deal. Okay, my daughter hasn't figured this out yet. Okay. Like, it's two in the morning, and I'm like, Piper, this is not how we respond to difficulty. And she just keeps screaming like she doesn't speak English yet. Or, I don't know, we're not connecting how we ought to yet, okay? But it's crucial that as disciples, you're set up to deal uh, and have a heart to deal that's able to take a punch in the mouth, right? What's the Mike Tyson quote? Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And then you've got to be able to deal with that. So he keeps going. Verse 19, he says, indeed, all creation is waiting so eagerly, all of creation so eagerly for the time when God will reveal his children in resurrected glory. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, to all this stuff, not willingly, like we didn't choose this. He says God did it, but because of him, 
who subjected it in the hope that creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. So, Paul says, when God's children are raised in resurrected glory, day of the Lord, the return of Jesus, we are raised. When God's children are raised in resurrected glory, so will creation be. So will all, the whole cosmos is restored and made new and made right as it was meant to be in the beginning at the resurrection. So verse 22, for we know the whole creation has been groaning in the throes and anguish of childbirth. Because of all the junk in this age, creation is going, oh, like they're just done. It's just done with it. And it says this is happening right up to the present time. Because this is just how things have been since Genesis 3. Groaning, straining. Oh, I don't like how things are right now. And he keeps writing, verse 23. It isn't just creation, though, that's groaning. We who have received the Spirit as a first fruits of the glorious harvest to come. Okay, We have the Spirit of God pointing us to what is to come. We, are t- we too ourselves are groaning on the inside as we eagerly wait for this. And what is this? He says, our adoption as sons. And what is our adoption as sons? It's the redemption of our bodies. So Paul says, creation is doing this. Oh, God, please come and fix everything. And we, too, have the spirit as a first fruits. We're also going, God, come, redeem our bodies, make all things new, raise the dead, do the whole bit. We're groaning inwardly in these things. So the apostolic way to deal with difficulty and to deal with trial and to deal with suffering, right? Not not like a modern, even Christian way or it's definitely not a secular way to deal with all the stuff and to cope. The apostolic way is through, by the spirit, groaning and waiting and being patient for God's promised future. Which is the resurrection of the dead, the restoration of all things. You go out of Romans 8 to 9, 10, and 11, and the restoration of Israel. Okay? All of this stuff, we groan and we wait for it. And I, you know, what you have to deal with here is you don't have to like this, right? You don't have to be like, oh, I like that it's groaning and waiting and being patient. You don't have to like it, but I do need you to believe it. Okay? This is the problem with the Bible. You read stuff and you're like, oh... And then you press into it, right? And then eventually you read it and you're like, oh, all right. Okay, so if it's, you're hearing this and you're like, I don't like that, just stick with it, okay? This is the way that we deal. This is God's way to help us walk through this age. So it keeps going. Verse 24, he says, unto this hope, unto this hope, which is the resurrection, the age to come, creation being set free, our adoption unto the redemption of our bodies. It's unto this hope that Paul says you were saved. It's unto this that you were um, brought into to believe and give yourself to and stay on this path, not some other path. Okay, so if the path isn't to this, you need to get off of it and get on to this hope because it's this one that you were saved into. So just at this point, I, I just want you to see Romans 8 is a gospel that will hold up under pressure. Okay, under all, all the stuff, whether it's death or printer, right? This is, this is for the, the human heart. It's for the human soul. Romans 8 is a gospel that trains your heart to deal with present suffering. It's a gospel whose wheels won't fall off under distress. Why? Because it points us to a future hope. Okay? It tells the believer, tells you, tells your heart. Yeah, those first three laps are brutal. Absolutely. Very hard. But there is a finish line. 
and a victor's crown at the end. And knowing that it is there, right, knowing that you can see it, it spurs you on to not quit. Spurs you on to, to, to keep on running, okay? So Romans 8 is not saying ignore the hardship of the first three laps. It's not saying lie about how things are. Romans 8 is saying, no, I know the first three suck, okay? But there is a finish, and the glory of the finish will make you forget about the, the, the suffering of those first three laps, okay? Now, I myself have not given birth. I cannot. I'm a male. I have not given birth, okay? I was in the room with her for 24 hours, okay? And, and lots of other moms have said, when the baby finally gets here, right, just to keep with the birth and, and groaning language from Romans 8, when the baby finally gets there, they're like, yeah, you forget about how hard it was. And, you for, and I don't know if that's true personally. Again, this is hearsay. But you forget because the glory that you, the, the suffering that you went, you, know, you forgot about it when the baby arrived. And Paul's saying, so it is with this age and the age to come. There is groaning in the anguish of childbirth, creation, we too ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. But it doesn't compare with the glory that's going to be um, revealed to us. Right? So this is, this is, you got to have this in your heart to deal with all of the stuff. But what about another gospel? Okay? What about other messages that, that come out uh, even in the church? Okay? What about gospels that say that the glory, the adoption, the resurrection, all these things that, that Paul's laying out here in Romans 8. What about one that says all of this stuff is being realized now. It's happening now if you just believe hard enough. If you have enough faith, the adoption, the resurrection, the glory, all these things are yours, okay? And this actually is happening uh, during Paul's lifetime. There, in in uh, 2 Timothy, there's two guys, Hymenaeus and Philetus, and in 2 Thessalonians, there's, there's other people who are saying that the resurrection, the day of the Lord, it's happening now spiritually, man. You just got to, like, manifest it. Okay, like this is happening in the first, like they're saying, no, it's all, it's all now, you can have it now. And so in 2 Timothy, Paul talks about what Hymenaeus and Philetus and oh, whatever, all this stuff they're saying. And you know what Paul calls it? He says this kind of teaching, this kind of message, he says it's irreverent babble. It's irreverent because it ignores what God has spoken and what God has said about this age and the age to come. And it's babble because it's useless. Right, Bruce Almighty, you know. It's useless. It does no good for anyone. But in Romans 8, Paul gives an actual message. You know, wheels won't fall off, chariot won't snap. He says it this way, verse 25. Paul says, now a hope that is already realized is by definition not a hope. And we want to have hope because Paul says, into this hope you were saved. So if you have by definition what's not a hope... Yeah. Who, after all, when it comes to something he already has, hopes for it, right? Like you're not hoping for Christmas presents on the 26th. You were hoping for them up to the 25th, but on the 26th, you've got the thing. It would, it's silly and illogical to realize what's happening now. So he just calls realized hopes silly and illogical, but he keeps going. If it is something still to come, right? He's not, he's not talking about the first three laps. He's talking about the finish line now. And if it's something still to come on which we are setting our hope, 
It is with patient endurance that we wait for it, right? Which he's just drawing right from Isaiah 25. Isaiah, Stoney's not here today. We would read Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25, he says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will prepare a, a, a feast for all the people. He'll take away the reproach of his people. There'll be well-aged wine, fatty meats. The nations will come up. And he says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will swallow up the cloud that's covering all people. He will, when you walk out the door every Sunday, he will swallow up death forever. And then verse 6 and 7, it says, And on that day, his people will say, This is our God. He has saved us, and we have waited for him. And he has done it. We were patient for the day of the Lord. We endured the trial and struggle in this age, and we got it on that day. We have waited for him. He has saved us. Pull up a chair. We got the meats, right? This is what is happening. Death Swallowed up. So the point is that future hope produces endurance in us. Okay, it strengthens your muscles, that future hope. It it expands um, your lungs for the race. So if your hope is set in the future, okay, uh, uh, Titus 2, the the blessed hope, the return of Jesus, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If your hope is there in the return of Jesus, in the age to come, in Isaiah 25, the swallowing up of death forever, and that's where you set your heart and mind, you are able to hold up and not fold under distress now because you know the end of the story. Okay? You know, I I hope at at this point we've been pounding this drum for several years now. I hope you know the end of the story. The resurrection of the dead. The restoration of all things. No more crying. No more pain. No more death. This is where God is taking it. Okay? And if you know the end of the story, you you can take all the hits that come along the way. And as you take the hits... And this is kind of an odd thing, but this is, I think, how it is. As you take all the different hits, again, printers or death, whatever they are, your trust in the story is not weakened, but your trust in the story is strengthened, right? Normal boxing, the more you get hit, the weaker you get. Gospel boxing, the more you get hit, and we'll see by the Spirit, you actually get stronger. And you can hold up. So with each hit, Romans 8.26, with each hit, he says that the Spirit helps us. In our weakness, okay? So as we're given over to more and more weakness with each hit, okay? Bills, trial, frustration, death, whatever. With each hit, we're given over to weakness. Then, in that moment, the Spirit of God begins to give us more strength. Okay, he begins to build us up and breathe life into us to finish the race. So to Romans 5, three chapters before, Paul says, watch what he does with the Spirit of God here and the cross and the day. It's very cool. Since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Messiah. So Paul's gospel is the cross, all right? Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace by which we stand firm. So believe in the cross. We're not going to be rickety and our axles aren't going to break. We're going to stand firm as we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, which chapter 4 spells out is the resurrection. Abraham will inherit all of these promises through the resurrection. So in this... Right, we've got this simple cross before the day mechanism happening, and this girds us up to take whatever comes our way. Okay, and again, this is going to be different for different people. Some of us will will mostly coast through life and will inherit eternal life, and it will be awesome. Some of you are are going to get shellacked over and over and over and over, and whichever one you are, you still have to have this in your guts to deal. 
If you don't, you will not deal. Okay? You will not cope and you might not finish the race unless you have the gospel here. So he keeps going. We've got the cross justified by faith. We're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. And this girds us up to take more hits. Verse 3. He says more than that. More than trust in this. We rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character or maturity, right? A Christian cannot become mature until they've been beat up. This is just how it is, okay? Um, I have time for the story. I was um, at uh, uh, October uh, or August of 2015. Um, I drove Derek out to uh, California, beautiful California. Love to be in California in November in Oklahoma, right? Drove Derek um, out there, came home, um, got, uh, flew home, got home at 3 a.m. Uh, Braden called me at 7 a.m. and we had a, a teenage girl uh, take her life. And um, at this time, I'm, I'm the interim preacher. I'm just preaching on Sundays and trying to tread water during the week, all this stuff. And a wise pastor had, had told me, he said, hey, you're not ready to pastor. Okay, you're just absolutely not ready to pastor until you've had your legs knocked out from under you. Okay, until you've fallen flat on your face and had no other recourse except to depend and rely on God. You're not ready to do the thing. And I'm like, you're wiser than me. I agree with you. Well, then this whole thing happens and i have no other recourse except to trust and rely on god to to see me through to see the church through to see the family through all of this stuff and so after i'd been beat and i'm not way harder for the actual family than for me but i'm just my vantage point on it after that after i'd been beat up i'd become a little bit more mature okay the suffering and the trial produced something in me that wasn't there before it happened right this is how it works so to grow and, and mature as a disciple guys you have to be beat up and because the Lord loves you and once you're good and Romans 8:28 working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose he will actually uh, allow and send things your way to mature you this is what good fathers do. It's just how it is. So endurance produces maturity. It produces character. And then character produces hope. And hope's in what? He's our, we've gone through it. The reward that awaits those who persevere to the end. A victor's crown at the resurrection. Verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Okay? So this is the flow of thought. A cross for our sins before the day of judgment. Trials bringing us to maturity. And then... Who's the one who's making this happen, okay? Who is confirming to our hearts that the cross is true? Who is filling up our, our hope tank with the age to come? Who is training us to rejoice when suffering comes? And who is producing character and endurance and hope? Paul tells us who's the agent in all of this stuff because God's love has been poured into our hearts through, through the Holy Spirit, okay? Who has been given to us. So... It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that's working these things out in our hearts. You're not working these things up by yourself because you're awesome. God knows how hard it is, right? God's laid this path before you. And God gives you the Holy Spirit to do it in, in your heart, okay? Like, the, like we can't be like ambivalent about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We have to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts to confirm these things are true when things are very hard. Okay? When things are easy, yeah, yeah, the Spirit would be nice. Okay? But when things are hard, so I have to have the Spirit of God working inside of me to, to make me believe these things. And make me give myself to these things. And make me not quit. 
Without the Spirit of God, I, I am cooked. So he says, verse 16 and 17, he says, The Spirit himself bears joint witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay? The Spirit's doing this. So all of the accusation comes. All the trials come. All the suffering comes. And what does the human heart want to do? All of, all of us have experienced what the human heart wants to do is draw back when it's all happening. Right? When it's just left, right? It's not stopping. It's an avalanche. What we want to do, our default, is I'm going to draw back and and I'm going to quit. Because I think if I draw back and quit, maybe the avalanche will stop. And it's in those moments of weakness that the Spirit of God takes center stage in your heart and says, No, you will not draw back. Okay? And I think our, our, uh, if you've been following Jesus for like five minutes, you've had this experience. Trial came, suffering came, and you wanted to draw back, and you felt that the, you know, the burning in the bosom, whatever, the Spirit of God say, no, you're not going to quit. You're not going to draw back. You are, he, verse 17, you are a child of God. He brought you into this age. He brought you to the cross. He will carry you through this age, so don't quit. So the Spirit of God bears joint witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17, and if we are children, moreover, we are also heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with the Messiah, if what? Do we have it up here? If we share in the Messiah's sufferings so that we may also share in his glory. Okay? So just look at what the Spirit's doing. Okay? Look at his ministry here. The Spirit is just leading you, leading us on the same path he led Jesus. Romans 5, the love of the Father is poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit. Right? Jesus' baptism, the dove, Father speaks, this is my beloved Son. And who I am, well pleased. Next, Jesus is led into the wilderness by who? By the Holy Spirit. He's led to the cross. Not my will, your will be done. The Spirit pushes him onward. He's led into the depths of the earth. He's raised in glory and he will come again in glory. That's the path that Jesus walked. Disciple of Jesus, you will walk the same path. Okay? Not easy, right? Not hard to understand. Hard hard to grasp, though. Hard to grapple with. So he says that we are co-heirs. With the Messiah, if in fact we share in the Messiah's suffering so that we may also share in his glory. So, if you have the Spirit confirming the cross to you, this is true. My sins will actually not be counted against me on the day. It's confirming the cross. The Spirit is confirming the hope. Just as Jesus was resurrected, I will be resurrected. If you've got these two things happening by the Spirit, you're equipped to deal with all the junk because you have the inward witness telling you, Hey, I know it's hard! But it's the same path your Lord walked, man. You signed up for this, right? And if the Spirit's being uh, petty or catty, you know, he'll say, did you want eternal life or not? All right? You signed up for this, man. We did this at your baptism in front of people. You said, yes, just as Christ died and was raised, so I will die and be raised and all the stuff in the middle. You said yes to this, man. And the Spirit of God is telling you that. And then our church, we're telling you that. We're saying, hey, you said yes to this. Okay? Hold on. There is a finish. There is glory to come. And this is why the Holy Spirit is necessary and not optional. We have to have the Holy Spirit. No one walks this path without the Spirit of God spurring them on. No one. Nobody does this without God's Spirit saying, come on, man. You can do this. By my power, you can do this. So 1 Corinthians um, 
1, Paul says, I give thanks to my God constantly for you because of the gracious gifts and blessings of God. So in context, that the gifts and blessings of God, 1 Corinthians 1, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, right? You guys have all the gifts, all of them. You're enriched in, in every way. So I thank God because you have the Holy Spirit that was given to you in union with the Messiah, Jesus, Romans 8, co-heirs with him, union with him, that you were enriched in union with him, indeed, in every respect, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, to be revealed. As you eagerly wait for the glory, you've got the Spirit now. And I thank God for that. That's what he's writing. I thank God you have the Spirit confirming to you the cross and the age to come. So the Spirit's given. We put our trust in God. He gives us the Spirit. Unites us to Christ. Both Christ's sufferings and Christ's glories. And he fills up our hope tank to gaze and set it on the return of Jesus. As you eagerly wait for the day that the Lord Jesus is revealed. Verse 8. God, by the Spirit, will continue to establish you. Okay? Strengthen you. So that the wheels don't fall off. He will continue to establish you in faith to the finish. So the Spirit will do that testing, perseverance, maturing, hope bit from Romans 5. Why? So that you may be free from accusation in the day of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. So that at the day, you can stand clean before God and say, By grace, I didn't draw back. By grace, I sought righteousness only in the cross. By grace, I set my hope for eternal life in the work of Jesus. And on that day, the Lord will see your trust in the blood, right? See the blood put over your door because you trusted him, because you believed in him. And he will say, based on that faith, based on applying what I have given, he will say, clean, pardon, forgiven, fill in the blank, and you will enter life. And you'll live forever. And life and joy and peace is all you'll know. So this is what the Spirit is doing now. It's setting you on course to stand before the Son of Man, unashamed, free from accusation in the day of judgment. Like, this, like, that's, like you should be like really Holy Spirit people if this is what he's doing. Right? Shandai, shandai, whatever. You, know? you don't know. What else is the Spirit doing? Verse 9. Faithful is the God by whom you were summoned to share in what? What are you summoned to share in? The sufferings and the life, right? It's not just one or the other. Like you have whole theological systems where it's just, oh, suffering's awesome. We love it. We love it. We love it. It's like, that's not the point. Share in his sufferings to share in the life of his son, Jesus Messiah, our Lord. So this is what the Spirit does. And this ministry of the Spirit. Confirming to our hearts, there is a cross before the day for forgiveness and and, and entrance into life. And there is a cross to carry before the day. This ministry of the Spirit is why we get the other apostolic writings that we get. James 1, you know it well. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You know, why? Because I'm a sicko? Why? Why would I consider it joy? Because I love pain? Because I'm in sort of part, part of some weird cult thing that this is... We... No. He says, we consider present difficulty, present trials, present sufferings, we consider them as joy, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Yeah, endurance, perseverance. Verse 4, perseverance must finish its work. Okay, so you, like, you have to get more perseverance. You're not like born again and you're like, oh, I'm all mature and ready to go. Like, yeah, no, no. 
Just like you were a baby and had to grow, it's the same thing. The testing of your faith develops endurance. Endurance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything at the judgment. Verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Why? Not because trials are awesome. That's not what he's saying. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, Okay, when the road has done everything to make the axles snap and make the wheels fall off, yet he stayed on the path. Yes, he's, once he's uh, stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I understand if you don't like it, but this is what it is. There is a cross before the day. And knowing that on the front end sets you up to carry it. Sets you up to deal with it. Sets you up to cope with all the stuff that comes in this age. There is a crown of life that I will receive when I've stood the test. This guy, whoever, you know, the blessed man from James 1, when he's walked through this age, not despising the cross, he will then get the crown. And so this is the path before us. All right, This is the story that the Spirit is leading us into. And so if you heard a rickety gospel... If you heard a bad story about no more trials, no more pain, no more suffering, if that's what you heard, you will run from the cross. You will see it and you will turn the other way and run and you won't receive the crown. And so it's the job of the Lord's messengers, right? Whether that's preachers or church members exhorting one another, it's our job to say to each other, hey, I understand it's bad. I understand the money didn't come through. I understand the diagnosis was a gut punch. I understand that relationship unraveled because of betrayal and and all and lies and all the rest. And we're going to pray and we're going to believe God to provide the money. And we're going to pray and we're going to believe God to heal. And we're going to pray to believe God's going to soften hearts to bring reconciliation to that relationship. But the main thing I need to tell you and the main thing we need to pray about is that you understand that what's happening now is just short test. It's just Second Corinthians four, light and momentary. It's just First Peter four is just producing for you an uh, uh, an imperishable, unfading uh, a reward that's kept in heaven that's going to be revealed uh, when Jesus returns. First Peter four, and it, and we tell each other like no eye. Has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has in store for those who love him. And we tell each other that, and we tell each other that, and we tell each other that, and we tell them this, this is what the testing is doing. And so we say, hold on, stay on the path, don't run from your church family, because we want to draw back, right? The trial comes, the suffering comes, eh, not with those people. Not going to do that. And we say, no, don't run from your church family. Run to your church family. Don't run from the scriptures. Run to the scriptures. Don't run from prayer. Run to prayer. And we tell them Hebrews 10, right? Don't throw away your confidence because, you know, your confidence brings great reward. And we tell them Hebrews 10, hey, in a little while, in a little while. The coming one will come and he will not delay. And we are those who do not draw back and are destroyed. We are those who have faith and are saved. This is the sort of counsel the gospel gives. This is the sort of counsel the spirit gives. And this is the sort of counsel we have to give each other. Okay? As members of Christian Life Church, if you're not members, you can hop in on this. We'd love for you to. But as members of Christian Life Church, 
This is the message we preach to each other over and over and over and over and over. And when you can start to mock each other for how much we say it, that tells me we're saying it enough, finally. Okay? This is our job. Because my life can be okay, yours can be in shambles, I need to tell you this. And then my life is in shambles and your life is doing okay, you need to tell me this. We're not going to be those who draw back. We're not going to be those who, who believed something that told us trial wasn't coming. We're going to believe, yeah, trial is coming. And more important than the trial that's coming, there's glory coming. The Lord Jesus will split the sky, come in fire and angels, reward the righteous, punish the wicked. And Isaiah 25 will happen. And if we don't do this, if we give another gospel that sets its hope in this age and tries to shirk off rather than cling to the cross, we set ourselves up to fall. Robert, would you come help us, please? Luke 8, this is the last scripture. This is Jesus' parable uh, about the seed and the soil and, and all this stuff. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. He says, the seed is the word. Matthew 13 tells us it's the word about the kingdom. This is the word of God. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. Right? They hear the gospel. Like, forgiveness of my sins? Even mine? And we're like, yeah! They're like, eternal life? Yeah! Resurrected of, resurrection of the dead. And we're like, yeah, really? Like, this is all true. And they're like, I'm in! They hear the word of the kingdom. They receive it with joy. But if we don't tell people the cost... If we don't tell people that the narrow road is surrounded on all sides by all kinds of difficulty, we're not actually preparing them for what's coming. Okay? The word of glory then must be undergirded by the word of the cross. Now, otherwise, Jesus keeps going, having no root. These believe for a while and fall away. When? A time of testing and a time of difficulty in a time of trial, they fall away. When this age reared its ugly head in a multitude of ways, they fell away because they were not rooted in the message of suffering before glory. They weren't rooted in the message of a cross before the crown. They weren't rooted in the message of a narrow road unto eternal life. And so, when their faith was tested, when God allowed or sent various trials their way, they didn't develop endurance, they didn't develop perseverance, they didn't develop maturity, and then they didn't have hope. They weren't led by the Spirit, and so they threw in the towel. They'd heard a rickety gospel, and as members of Christian Life Church, as disciples of Jesus, we cannot participate in that. We cannot hate people so much to set them up to fail. Instead, we preach a gospel, we believe a gospel, we give our lives to a gospel that will hold up. Verse 15. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, right? They heard all the glory parts of the gospel and they said, yes, I'm in. Forgiveness of my sins, eternal life, I'm in. And they heard with a good and honest heart all the cross parts. And they said, I'm in, man. I can carry a cross. I can walk a narrow road. You're going to give me the Holy Spirit to do this? I'm in. A victor's crown at the end if I'll carry a cross now. I'm in. They heard the word with a good and honest heart. And they hold on to it. And by enduring, produce fruit and enter life. So this, I don't know what we're doing next week. We might do, hit this again. I just 
we have to be girded up to take the hits, guys. And the way this happens is by the Holy Spirit confirming the cross, by the Holy Spirit confirming the hope, and by the Holy Spirit saying, hey, don't draw back. We're not going to be those who draw back and are destroyed. We are those who have faith and gain their lives. So uh, to, to close this, whatever, we're going to come to the Lord's table now. So if our um, deacons could go ahead and uh, start to pass out um, the cup and the bread. Um, if you are a uh, disciple of Jesus, if you are repenting of your sins, you're, you're putting your trust in Jesus and you're baptized, you're welcome to take with us. If you're not a, a disciple today, you're not repenting, not trusting, not baptized, please let the plate pass you by. Um, and parents, take this time to instruct your children in the gospel, the cross, before um, the day.